Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Direct Sales Mastery. I'm your host, your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger, helping you whip your business into shape. And today I have with me James Hipkin. So let me tell you a little bit about James and then we'll welcome him onto the show. Boy, it's a good thing you don't have to be perfect to be a podcaster. <laughs> so James Hipkin has built his clients' businesses with digital marketing. Today, James is passionate about websites and helping the rest of us understand online marketing. He is an accomplished, forward-thinking marketing professional, and his clients have included Sprint, Apple, Wells Fargo Online Bank, Nestle, and Toyota. His clients appreciate his practical, no-nonsense approach, and he has the scars and many stories to share from working with clients like this. So, James, I so appreciate you being here. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Oh, me too. So I'm going to share with my audience because they they know I do a lot of networking. And you and I met through our friend, Michael Whitehouse, who was just on the show a few weeks ago. And so they all already heard from Michael and that I was on the Entrepreneur Summit and you were another speaker on that summit. And that's how we met. And I loved what you had to say on that summit. I was for the first time sitting here going, oh, my gosh, that's really good information. Because. <laughs> You know, you were talking, you started out by saying, I'm going to talk math. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm screwed. And I was riveted. I loved what you had to say. And it, you didn't lose me. So I was really happy with that. So, and we've just continued to connect, James, and I adore having you here. So thank you for being willing to share. So let me know, let my audience know, how do you get to where you are doing digital marketing, especially for giant corporations like I just gave the, the huge list of, how'd you get to where you are now? Well, you, you start by switching your major in college from <laughs> math and chemistry to music. Oh. <laughs> no way! <laughs> so you, then you graduate with a music degree and you spend six years working as a tour manager and road manager in the rock and roll industry. Oh my gosh, for real? For real. Wow. Okay. With a whole bunch of bands that you would recognize. Seriously. And then you spend six months working in the desert in Southern California, side of a town called San Bernardino, on a project for Steve Wozniak, who was sponsoring the US Festival. Oh my gosh, no kidding. And then you decide at the end of that six months of extreme intensity that you don't want to do this for the rest of your life. Okay. So you go about getting a job as a 30-year-old junior account executive at a, the Toronto office of a New York ad agency called Ted Bates. Okay. 
And that introduced me to consumer packaged goods marketing and advertising that led to being transferred to South America to work with Pillsbury to launch green giant canned vegetables in Latin America, which led to being transferred to Europe, where I worked with Rover Cars to build a pan-European database marketing system. And that led to being transferred to the head office in Chicago which we was 45 people when I arrived and it was 450 people when I left nine years later. Whoa. And that got, and I was recruited to come to to California to be president of a small direct marketing agency in San Francisco. And I led the conversion of that direct marketing agency to a digital marketing agency. And Mm. that's where I, when I worked with Nestle and Apple and, in Chicago, I worked with Sprint and British Airways First Class Cabin and General Motors Cadillac Division. I've done a lot of crap. <laughs> but here's the thing. It, it's all led to this amazing wisdom that is now helping a lot of corporate offices. And also now I know you're working with small businesses to help them as well with all of this knowledge and experience that they need in order to grow, right? Right. It's the most of our day-to-day work. We we build large corporate websites for, you know, companies that you would recognize. If you've repaired your toilet, you've probably used toilet uh, fluid master replacement parts. Okay. And Fluid Master has been a client for many, many years that we've built their major site we built six or seven international sites for them. These are large corporate sites, complicated, lots of custom work, lots of custom API connections, that sort of thing, which is kind of a roundabout way of saying we actually know what we're doing. Right. And then five years ago, I was, you know, small businesses can't really afford to work with us. But when I looked at the awful websites they had, and I recognized how important the website is to a business, I'm like, these businesses should be working with us. How can I create a product that will allow them to access our knowledge and expertise in a cost-effective way? And that's where I came up with Innately. And that's a business website subscription service that is for six-figure businesses who want to or are using digital marketing to drive growth. We're not a good fit for people just getting started. Got other connections I can introduce people to, and I do. Christina Hills. I don't know if you know Christina. Not um, yet. <laughs> but so that's our little niche. And that's also our business challenge mm-hmm. in the sort of badass direct sales world. Everybody claims they can make a website. Mm. So if you're a business owner and you're dealing with how do you break through the noise? How do you find creative ways to get your message across to your best prospect in a way that's meaningful and and differentiates you from fly by night web dev, you know, and or my nephew made a website for me, or <laughs> I tried right. to do it myself and I went to Wix or I went to Squarespace and you know, and it's you know, this is the website is the most valuable digital asset that a business owns. And my goodness, most of them are terrible. Yeah, I I agree. The number of times I go click on somebody's website or a company's website, and I'm like, I can't find this really basic thing. Like, 
their address because I need to actually go to the business or, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't find the contact information for a human being, you know, that I have a question for that I don't want to go through robocall, you know, to, to, you know, it would be so much faster and better relational (laughs) to be able to contact one person um, kind of thing. So it's just sometimes those very basic, simple things that a lot of companies are not thinking of from the consumer side. All they're thinking of is, is it flashy? Is it pretty? Is it going to, you know, does it from my perspective as the, and I'm assuming this is why you think they're terrible and correct me if I'm wrong, but because shockingly, James, I work to try and make my own website once upon a time. And yeah. I made everything from my perspective. Right. And that's, as, the, that's the common mistake. What I call inside out marketing, mm. where you spend all of your time talking about yourself, but the reality is your best prospect is on a journey and it's about them solving their problem. And if you can flip your thinking around so that the website has been designed and the copy has been written to engage the audience by focusing on their problem, then they'll give you permission to present a solution. And the other piece of that is reality in this world you probably have heard that the goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. I it's, didn't know the exact number, but yes, a short attention it, span. Mm-hmm. It's a myth. It's not actually true. But as a business owner, you should be so lucky. <laughs> you have six seconds or less <gasps> to engage a visitor to your website. Ooh. And the six seconds doesn't start when the page has loaded. The six seconds starts when the page is asked for. Oh, that's freaking powerful. Page load speed is one of those things that people don't think about. But if you're taking four and a half seconds to load your page, you've just used up a good chunk of your six seconds. And there's another thing. Page load speed is a trust event. Uh Uh-huh. If somebody goes to the website and it doesn't load quickly... It's like, huh, are these people real? Are these people serious? Is this a legitimate company? Suddenly you've got them thinking about those sorts of things. Right. Versus how you can support them. Right. So page load speed is the first thing. The next thing you're going to want to do to support the journey is lead with their problem. Give them a benefit-oriented reason to stay on the page. And you do that by talking about their problem, not talking about your solution. Mm. And once they're like, get there and they see a big old headline that just emphasizes the problem they're trying to solve. And they go, yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Right. Then you can introduce a potential solution. Right. Cause you've engaged yeah. them now they're thin and there's some trust there. Yeah. Because you always trust people. If, if somebody walks in and says, Hey, you know, tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to I am awesome. Yeah. Right. But most websites do the I'm awesome thing. Mm-hmm. 
and it just doesn't work. And then once you've presented a solution, you need to give them some reasons to believe you. Okay. It doesn't have to be the great American novel. It's a checkbox. You want to, it could be companies you've worked with. Mm -hmm. Like we have a high-end coach as a client and he acts as an executive coach for the C-suite at Apple. Oh, wow. So he's got, he's allowed to use the Apple logo, which very few people are. Right. On his website because he has been working with the C-suite at Apple for years and a bunch of other really high profile names. You put those logos up and that's real solid reason to believe his, his solution offer. Right. Testimonials are another great reason to believe, Mm -hmm. but you don't need 12. 12 testimonials in a carousel on a homepage are a waste of digital landscape. One or two powerful testimonials that are strongly connected to what the, your prime prospect is looking for. That's all you need. Mm. Five-star reviews is another. So you, and you don't need it all on the web site. You just need to provide some evidence that your offer is a believable offer. And this is where the semantics get involved. You need to tell them what to do next. Mm. Now, the common word for this is the call to action. There needs to be a call to action on the homepage. Well, yes, but I would rather you think in terms of pathways. Nice. Because everybody's target audience has significant sub-segments. 80% of their sales are coming from 20% of their customers. Who are that 20%? Mm. There's probably two or three subgroups in your audience, right? I had a call yesterday with a company that does residential moving services. And I had this conversation with him as we were auditing his his website. And he has basically three audiences. People who are moving from the area, people who are moving to the area, and real estate agents. Mm -hmm. So I said, you need to create three pathways that call out to those people with headline, with images, and with a call to action button that invites them down the pathway that's specifically for them. And when they select that pathway, two very important and very profound things are happening. They're telling you exactly who they are. Yes. And they're giving you permission to tell them more about your products and services. Mm. So you're no longer shouting at them. Right. They're inviting you in and inviting you to tell them more. Yes. And you've got them past the six seconds. You've got them engaged. They've gone to another page on the website. You've got an opportunity on that landing page to really dig into your products and services, but always do it from the point of view of that audience because they've told you who they are. I love that. Love, love this. So let's dig into that piece a little more because a lot of the the my listeners the the person who's listening right now 
they are they've been in business for a couple of years a few years so they they they're starting to get enough customers that they can begin to look at who their subsets are so what are some of the things they should be looking for to identify those subsets well if they've been in business for a few years pull a customer list okay put this customer list into a spreadsheet and and stack it based on the category the type of customer they are i have another woman that i coach she's a professional public speaker Mm -hmm. and she has three very distinct audiences broadly she's a paid keynote speaker and she's successful at it right but when we dug into it there are three groups there are event organizers who are basically super project managers mm-hmm. very distinct avatar involved with those people their yes. demographics their attitudes the pain that they're suffering and the gain that they get they get from hiring this woman is very distinct there's another group which is corporate HR directors who hire her to come into corporations to teach the executives how to be better communicators. Mm. And there's a third group that hires her, and that's mostly female senior executives who suddenly found themselves on stages and don't know what to do. (sighs) Okay. It's all about public speaking. Right. But each one of those audiences is very distinct. Yes. Absolutely. So when they're creating the spreadsheet from the list of customers that they've downloaded from the back office of their company, direct sales company, network marketing company's website. Exactly. When you say they're stacking it, what kind of things are they looking for? Well, the moving company yesterday, uh, he asked exactly the same question. It's a great question. And I said, look, just pull your customer sheet and then order them by the towns you're in the mm. towns they're in okay because she he was spending a boatload of money on local seo and the local seo people were get, telling him to create pages for all these tiny little towns all across northern california and okay. i'm like matt do you get any business from these towns why are you putting money against that right so it could be location it could be location it could be, could be, it could be the business type the speaker example i just gave you right it could be you know type of product i have another client who is an e-commerce site and he sells a very specific kind of orchid not orchids in general not house plants in general a very specific kind of orchid wow and when he came to us his website was terrible he was using one of the syndicated platforms sure and so we reworked his website and we brought some strategy to bear on this and we talked to him about you know stop trying to boil the ocean mm-hmm. pick a couple of media channels that you know your audience is going to engage with and he because he's it's very visual so it's instagram and facebook and then email marketing and you know and he I asked him after the first year, how are things going? And he said, the only appreciable change I made was the website, and I've more than doubled sales. That's amazing. And he's subsequently tripled sales from that from there. 
by staying true to this strategy. He doesn't get distracted by a million other things. He just does these things. He does them really well. That's brilliant. And he understands that that his audience now hits as an e-commerce site. So he's got the transactional information. He knows and can separate out the top 20% of his customers that represent 80% of his sales. And he treats them special. Mm. That is brilliant. So somebody who's been in a direct sales business or a network marketing business could be and probably should be pulling their numbers and sorting it. Because once you put it into the Excel spreadsheet, it'll sort it for you, right? Sure, exactly. Looking at who's spending how much, like how much have they spent with you over the last six months, the last year, the last two years, three years, if they've been with you for that long and figure out who your top 20% are, right? Right. And that's the thing I was talking about at the Entrepreneur Conference was it's called RFM. Recency, frequency, monetary. Who's Mm -hmm. the customer who bought from you most recently? Who's the customer who buys from you most frequently? And who's the customer who spends the most money with you? And if you just take those three ideas and start to categorize your customers based on those three ideas, you will very quickly see who your best customers are. And then once you see who your best customers are, by extension, this is who your best prospect is. So what do they look like demographically? What do they what are their attitudes? What mm-hmm. is the problem that you're solving for them that is making them such a good customer for you? Yes. I have to say the number one thing that is shooting every direct salesperson in the foot is they're trying to sell to everyone because when I right. when I ask somebody in the direct sales space who's your best customer 9 times out of 10 they say everyone. And yeah. the one other person says anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and this, where this ties back to the website is that yeah. you want your website to be supportive of your best customer's journey. Mm. And you can't really do that unless you understand who your best customer is. Yes. So when, when I do a website audit, I'll take the first 15 minutes of the website audit, not talking about the website. We'll take the first 15 minutes talking about the customer avatar and the customer journey. And 99 times out of 100, they have no idea. Right. And that's why it's, I call it checkboxism. (laughs) A a business owner has a, has a a list of things they know they need to do. And the website is on that list and check that box. I've got a website. I might be guilty of that. <laughs> I just might be guilty of that. Like I said in the very beginning, I'm working on tweaking it and getting it there, but I definitely know my avatar. And when they go to badassdirectsalesmastery.com, they're spoken to. <laughs> yeah. They are spoken to for sure. Well, James, I could talk to you forever about this. And then I think just by starting there on, the identifying that right there is a huge task Mm -hmm. but a simple task yep for the listener to go do right now the next step is the pathways conversation what's the pathway that your best customer takes with you so let's dig in just a tiny bit for a couple of minutes because we don't want to keep going forever and ever amen on this (laughs) 
But I know that this is the beginning of some great aha moments that even you had talking about pathways. Right. And there's a couple of sort of grown up, you know, big boy pants kind of things or big girl panties, if (laughs) if you prefer. Yeah. 90% of people are not paying any attention to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're not even a dot on their horizon. Yep. What is the event in their life that's going to cause them to start paying attention? Mm. What what happens to say, huh, I have a problem here? And they go into the sort of a consideration phase. Their interest starts to rise. And as their interest rise, they start to see marketing. Yeah. I asked a creative director once earlier in my career why long copy performs better than short copy. And he said something very profound that stuck with me. He said, look, if the consumer is interested, they want the information. Mm -hmm. If they're not interested, it doesn't matter whether it's short or long, they're not going to see it. So you, as a marketer, you need to recognize that most of the time, people are not going to see what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, sorry, but that's reality. Yep. But when they do see it, you want to be saying the right things. You want to be catching their attention because you understand the problem that suddenly has arisen in their life. That's where mapping the customer journey becomes so important. The avatar tells you who they are broadly. Demographics help you with media selection. Attitudes help you with messaging, tonality, and that kind of thing. The pain helps you understand the problem that they're trying to solve. The gain is what they're getting from you. The journey is where this intersects. You sometimes hear it talked about as a marketing funnel. Right. And the marketing funnel has a, can't have a bad reputation, but the marketing funnel has been around since marketing has existed. It's not a new thing. Right. And it's really the marriage between the avatar and the journey is manifest as the marketing funnel, where you're attracting people at the top of the funnel who suddenly have come into the marketplace mentally, Mm -hmm. then you need to build a relationship with them with mid-funnel tactics, microtransactions of increasing value so that you're building the know, like, and trust in the middle of the funnel. Right. And then at the bottom of the funnel, you're looking for the conversion event. And I liked another semantic thing that you stimulated me to challenge my thinking on in the entrepreneur question is stop calling it a sales call. Yes. Nobody wants to be sold. And if you take the logic of what I've just said, attract them at the top with messaging that resonates with where they are in their journey, cultivate that that relationship through microtransactions in the mid-funnel, the end of the funnel needs to be an enrollment conversation. Mm. Yes. Because then that you have suddenly you're not getting dissonant you're continuing to support the journey that customer is on earlier in my career i've done a lot of work in loyalty marketing 
Mm -hmm. And a market researcher who was specialized in this kind of thing was, you know, doing a research study readout. And in his preamble, he said something very powerful that stuck with me. That was actually the genesis of the five relationship marketing principles, which is another entire podcast we'll have. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said 90% of sales of loyalty problems can be traced to a flawed sales process. That and I just right. spent my career trying to help businesses understand that. And the <sighs> website is one of your best platforms to support that sales process. Because in this mm -hmm. world, everybody is going to the website before they talk to you. They're looking for confirmation that you understand their problem. Mm. And if you can do that, then the engagement conversation, it becomes an enrollment conversation versus a sales call. I love that. And the importance of that, and thank you for sharing that, by the way, the importance of that is shifting what you call it seems so minor and possibly some people might think it's pedantic, right? Right. But what it does is it shifts how you approach that particular conversation, right? Exactly. When it's a sales call, you go into it feeling gross and yeah. like fear-based as the salesperson, right. <laughs> right? But when you go into it as an enrollment conversation saying, we've built this relationship over time and now it's time to take that next step because right. I know what your problem is. I know how to help you fix it. Let's take the next step. That changes how the whole conversation, the feel of it for for people on both sides of that talk, right? Right. I can give you another example. Mm -hmm. um, one of my clients earlier in my career was Sprint Long Distance. Okay. And we brought the marketing leadership team up to Chicago and we put them in a boardroom and the creative director put up all of the marketing materials that Sprint was using on a boardroom wall. And she turned to the audience and said, do you see the problem? And th that's exactly what they did. They all right. shook their head. No, we, we don't see any problem. It all looks great. Right. Then she took a ribbon with two pin push pins in it, and she pinned that to the wall at a certain point in the... And then she turned to them and said, now do you see the problem? And they're all like, no. She pulled a piece off the wall and she read it and she pulled a piece off the wall from the other side of the ribbon and she read it. And she said, now do you see the problem? And they're still like. Lost. Lost. And she said, this piece is a sales communication. This is going to prospects. Mm -hmm. The tonality and the language we're using here is exactly the same as this piece, which is going to customers. We're talking to our customers like we don't know them. Mm. Our customers know us, but we're insulting them by talking to them like we don't know them. Ouch. Yes. That's the shift in mindset that needs to happen 
to get you out of the world of sales calls and into the world of enrollment conversations. I'm getting goosebumps. Goosebumps. Like, nobody's going to see this video because it's going to go away. But they're here. <laughs> this is so freaking good. All right. So, James, before we let you go, I'm going to ask the listener right now, my badass crew, I know you've been driving, working out, folding laundry, doing something else while listening to this episode. I want you to commit as the listener to sit down with a notebook, re-listen to this episode and take notes about everything that James just said, because it's going to literally guys this is these are the things that i coach my clients on over the course of weeks and months and you guys just got it in like 30 minutes go listen to this again grab your notebook and write down your aha moments that you're pulling from what james is saying write it down get it from head to paper or head to a google document or something whatever your method of taking notes is because this is going to shift your business, guys, in ways that you don't even know yet. And it's going to help you build and grow. So James, I know you don't typically work with direct salespeople, but if they have questions, or maybe they know someone who has, who has a small business that could use some website help, how mm -hmm. can they reach out to you? Well, the, the best thing to do, it's a very practical conversation, is I offer a complimentary website audit. Ooh. And it works on that six seconds or less ideas. So if they go to six seconds or less.com, they can book a 30 minute call with me. We'll spend some time talking about their customers, Wonderful. the customer avatar, the customer journey. And then we'll apply that conversation to their website and we'll go through the six ways. Does the thing load fast? Do you confirm very clearly that they're in the right place? Give them a benefit-oriented reason to stay. Give them reasons to believe that you're doing, that what you're saying is the thing. Inspire trust through testimonials and that sort of thing. And then make the content easy to consume. Oh, my gosh. And so we go it. through these six things and audit the website. And it's always a stimulating conversation that's full of valuable nuggets. And whether they end up coming to us to help with their website or not, I'm happy to share that information with them. Ah, oh, James, I so appreciate that. That's huge, 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 huge. So, listener, you guys know how this goes. In case you weren't at a spot where you could write that down. You do know that we have the link to James' website, sixsecondsorless.com, in the show notes. If this is your first time listening to the show, the way you grab, get to the show notes is grab your phone, click on today's episode, and scroll up, and you will see the show notes. And we will have a big link that says sixsecondsorless.com so that you know how to get in contact with James. James, thank you again for being here. I so appreciate your brilliance. I really do. It's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. This has been great. Oh, James, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And badass crew. You know how this goes. Stay tuned because there's another badass episode on its way. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. 
Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the Dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.